Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here and we're back. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to do that Daniel Jones review that I've been talking about, right? The Giants young quarterback. Really, if you think about it, the fate of this franchise rests on how good Daniel Jones is going to become as a quarterback, right? If he's bad, if he's average, this organization is going to be stuck in no no man's land, nowhere for at least another two, three, four years. If he develops and evolves into a good quarterback, this organization can turn around. And they can pretty much start doing it this year. If he's the real deal, they go 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight, eight. Okay, now all of a sudden they're headed in the right direction. Next year now is looked at as the year the year after him so is looked at as the year that should make that jump. So we're going to go over what we saw from Daniel Jones last year. We're going to talk to our guest Dan Orlovsky, really a quarterback specialist, uh, ESPN analyst, really great at what he does. And uh, so he he recently rewatched Dan- all of Daniel Jones's snaps this season. So he has a nice, fresh perspective on what he saw, and he looks at it from a different view than me and you, right? Because he's a former NFL quarterback. He looks at it from like the quarterback prism. So it's a little bit different than me and you. Uh, and also later on, we're going to talk about what this season might look like, right? Because there's a lot of craziness that might go on, a lot of rules. I mean, I just got rules for my daughter's soccer practices. We're, we're taping this on a Monday, which can start this week in New Jersey, which, of course, is progress. But life is going to be different. You know, you have to walk to and from practices with masks. There can only be a certain amount of people. Their bags have to be a certain distance apart. How are NFL teams going to put 90 players on the field, 120 People on the field, right? Medical, uh, equipment, coaches, or whatever. And where's the media's part? Right? What are we going to be allowed out there? Is there room for us? Is there going to be a point where we're in the locker room? So I'm going to talk about that later of like what you can kind of expect from like the media coverage part of it. Uh, obviously a lot of uncertainty there, but I'll, g- I'll give you my opinion on that. But let's get into Daniel Jones, right? Pretty good rookie year. A lot to be optimistic about. He threw 24 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions, completed 61.9% of his passes. So, and just if you watched it, right, he passed the eye test of saying, wow, he did a lot of pretty good things to make you believe, enough to make you believe, right? Okay, there's something there. This guy can develop into a high-end, top-end quarterback. I'm not sure anyone's willing to sit here and say he's has a chance to be the best quarterback in the league or he's going to be a top-five quarterback. But I think there's realistic hope from people that he's in that top-ten range. And you know what you could do when you're in that top-ten range? You can win some Super Bowls. Because that's kind of what Eli Manning was. He was never the best quarterback in the NFL, aside from two playoff runs. But I'm talking about over an extended 16-game stretch. Never was the best quarterback, right? He never was an all-pro, never won an MVP in the regular season over over a, a bigger sample size. 
But there were times where he played as a top, he could play as a top five quarterback, and he probably was right in that top 10 range for a good while. So you could win like that. The Giants are foolproof you could win like that. So I think that's kind of where we sit, at least where I sit of the hope for Daniel Jones. Now, when you talk to people around the league, I hear two camps kind of. There's some people that are optimistic about him. They like him. They saw, like, like, like we, like I was saying before, you saw enough things, the way he moves, the way he throws, the way he composes himself, the way he handles himself to say he could develop into a really good quarterback. I like him. The Giants are in good shape. You could work with him. There's potential there, serious potential. And then there's some people who think, yeah, he does some things really well, but the turnover thing is going to be a bug. And that's something he's going to have to deal with long term. Right, And I went over the numbers. We're going to go over some of the key numbers in a little bit. But 18 fumbles. First in the NFL. Remember, he didn't start 16 games. He started 13 games. 11 lost fumbles. First in the NFL. 13 starts. 11 lost fumbles. You could say, okay, some of the fumbles are bad. Snaps, blah, blah, blah. Some of them aren't his fault. You know, offensive line, this and that. 11 lost fumbles, though. This is the concern. There's no doubt. Everybody knows it. Daniel Jones knows it. He's working to try and prove it. The Giants know it. Joe Judge is going to run specific, and this isn't just for Daniel Jones, but remember, the Patriots are a team that has been especially good at protecting the football. They're going to run specialized ball protection drills. Now, most teams do that, but we're talking about multiple drills run with frequency and if the way it was explained to me when I talked to Joe Judge is if you're going to do something it's one thing to say it but unless you commit resources to doing it that proves you're serious about it and they're going to commit resources to this and in resources in this regard it's time right if you commit the time to it to practice it to run drills about the brawl ball protection that's the resources. That means they're committed to it, and they're going to do that this summer, assuming there's training camp and season. So, But the second camp of Daniel Jones, and this is where the concern is, and I think it's legit it, to a degree. They say pocket the, the pocket feel that a quarterback has, the feel for the pocket, the feel for the pressure, that's an innate skill. And Daniel Jones' pocket presence, eh, he struggles with it a little bit. And that that's something that's going to kind of plague him moving forward. And that's not really something that can be taught. It's, you know, when there's a guy, when there's, okay, here's Von Miller coming from your blind side and behind. Do you feel him naturally? Do you, are you able to then, Peyton Manning, is he able to then shuffle up two steps, make that throw? Tom Brady, it's like, just a natural instinct that some of these great ones, Drew Brees is awesome at it. Doesn't move great, but he's just able to shuffle that little shuffle in the pocket. Tom Brady too. People talk about mobility for quarterbacks. This is part of it. And that's why Tom Brady and Drew Brees, these are legendary quarterbacks. They have that feel. They're able to move around the pocket, just slide a little bit with their feet. Does Daniel Jones have that? Can he get better at that? How much better can he get at that? So we'll ask Dan Orlovsky about that in a few minutes, but Let's go over his rookie season real quick. What stud- stood out to me was his ability to make plays. The 24 touchdowns, that's 13th among quarterbacks. And remember, he didn't start three games. 
So he finished 13. If he he played those three games, he would have been in the top 10 in touchdown passes. And to me, that's one of the most important things. I like to look at total touchdowns, which is passing and rushing, versus total turnovers for a quarterback. Now, there's a lot of factors, but in order to be a good quarterback, I don't think it's an ultimate judge of the quarterback, especially in a given year, because there's a lot of factors that can factor into that. That's a, more of a, there's a lot of team factors. But over extended season, uh, long, big sample size, I think, that, I mean, I know the good quarterbacks have like a, at least a two to one ratio of touchdowns produced versus turnovers. Okay. So you have to produce touchdowns and you have to limit your turnovers. He didn't do a good job of limiting the turnovers, but he did create touchdowns. You know, 24 passing touchdowns, 13th in the NFL. I believe he ran for a couple as well. So there you go. Right. But the turnovers, now you're talking 12 interceptions and 11 fumbles. Now you're talking 23. So you're almost at one. You're like not even at one and a half to one. So he needs to do better in that regard. But it sort of reminds me, and I covered Donovan McNabb for a while in Philadelphia. Now, Donovan McNabb was really low in the turnovers, but, and he missed a lot of easy throws. He used to throw at people's feet on five yard passes, but he had an ability to make plays. So it kind of wiped out the deficiencies. And that, I think, is one of the things that people don't always talk about with quarterbacks. You could miss easy plays if you can, especially if you could make up for them by making those special plays. If you could make those wild throws, and Daniel Jones had a lot of those wild throws, that touchdown pass to Darius Slayton in Tampa Bay. Uh, actually, you know what? I think was it a touchdown pass. He might have got tackled at the one, but across his body. I mean, throwing on the move at times, uh, zipping passes into tight windows. He has that ability. So some of the things that stood out as positives, his 71.5 QBR versus man. Man coverage did very well. 102 tight window passes, attempts. 35 tight window completions. That's fifth in the NFL. Again, didn't start all 16 games, but he had the fifth the most tight window completions. Okay? So he's able to make these throws into traffic. And complete passes. Now, you young quarterback, yes, he probably throws into tight windows more than you'd like. Naturally, that number will probably decrease, but he'll still be able to make some of these tight window throws. Now, some of the things that aren't as positive, okay? 34.6 QBR versus zone coverage. Uh, 20.8, this kind of surprised me, 20.8 QBR outside the pocket. This is a guy who moves pretty well. And you might say, well, everyone's probably low outside, but not to that degree. That, that was a really low, low number. He's, he was at the bottom of the league in that, in that category. Um, sacks, he was sacked the ninth most times at 38. His QBR overall was 53.6, which is pretty solid. It was like 18th, middle of the road. So, and I like to use QBR rather than like, uh, you know, quarterback rating, you know, quarterback, uh, I forget what I'm the, the the phrase I'm looking for. Uh, uh, I'll get to it in a minute. But uh, the other quarterback percentage numbers that they have, uh, the ones where you're basically over 100. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it at the moment. But anyway, so QBR 53.6, 18th in the NFL. Solid, middle of the road, right? And for a rookie, not bad. He's one spot. He was one spot behind Tom Brady. And then comes Daniel Jones, then came Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers. So that's his company in the middle of the road last year, according to QBR. Below them, notables, Philip Rivers, Jared Goff, uh, 
Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. And that might surprise a lot of people. A lot of people thought Josh Allen had this great season. But remember, team is a big part of this. Now, Daniel Jones' team was not very good. Uh, the According to Next Gen Stats, right, the – where is it? The separation. i got to find it. But his separation, I believe it was 3.07 Yeah, here, yards, average yards per separation, per completion. That was 29th in the NFL. So it's not like he was throwing to wide-open players. You know who was throwing to wide-open guys? I think number one on the list was Patrick Mahomes, right? His drop percentage from his receivers, sort of middle of the road, fine. That wasn't a bad a bad part. So his receivers did a good job of catching his passes, but also that means his passes are catchable. Um, his 2.84 uh, time in the pocket, time before pass was 11th in the NFL. So some of the longest, it was long, but that sort of comes along with being a rookie, right? The quicker he he was able to process this year, if he's able to process quicker, understand what he's seeing a little bit quicker, having a better set of receivers that can create separation, right? All the injuries last year, Evan Ingram was out, uh, Golden Tate missed some games, Darius Slayton was even injured early in the year, Sterling Shepard in and out of the lineup, Saquon Barkley in and out of the lineup. So you had these guys that's obviously going to Increase their ability to get open. Him processing the game faster, you would hope. Meaning getting the ball out quicker. Eli Manning, in comparison to the year before, same offense, remember, Pat Shermer, 2.65 time before pass. So you're talking about basically .2 seconds, which is a significant amount in the NFL. So uh, 17.9 air yards per target, right? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Average, that was... He only threw 17.9% of his passes behind at or behind the line of scrimmage. That was the fifth lowest number. Eli Manning, in comparison, threw 24.1% the year before. Again, same offense. 23rd most in the NFL. So, obviously, young quarterback willing to take chances, throw the ball down the field, doesn't process as quickly. That's all factors into the equation. Should get better in some of these categories. The one category, though, that people have, still have concerns about is that pocket presence. So let's find out with someone who knows a lot more about quarterback play than me and probably you and most of the rest of the world has to say about that when we bring in our guests. On to the next one. All right, let's talk to someone here that knows a little bit about quarterbacks. He did a study on Daniel Jones recently. So, Let's see kind of what the impressions were and, and maybe what has changed over the, over the last year between the pre-draft evaluation of Daniel Jones and the year one. So here's Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback and uh, ESPN NFL analyst. Does an amazing job at that, by the way. So, Dan, welcome. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, good to be with you, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for those kind words and, and excited to be with you. Yeah, so we know you did a recent study on Daniel Jones. You put some stuff on. You know, social media, you talked about it on air. What exactly did you see? You go back, you watched, how, first of all, how much did you watch? And what did you see when you, when you watched his rookie year? Yeah, I mean, I watched every game last year for every, for every quarter. I mean, I just watched every game. That was my job. So I, I, I saw every game kind of as it was happening type of thing last year. But, you know, in the off season, you go into really free agency. So that's kind of a study in and of itself and how guys fit where they're going to go or who, who or what guys are at the time. And then 
you kind of shift to the draft and, and focus. And then after the draft happens, you've got this time period of, okay, how can you be productive? At least that's what I said to myself. It's like, how can I be productive to not only look back on last year, but kind of get ready for next year while I've got mm-hmm. some time on my hands. And so it was really going back to, you know, last year's rookie class quarterback wise and seeing what guys did well and, and the schemes that we they were in and whatnot. And so, you know, when Daniel came out, um, I, I was critical of him. Now, I think that people took my criticism and, uh, as always, kind of sensationalized it. Um, you know, I never said Daniel was a bad player. I just right. said, man, to take him at six was surprising because there wasn't anything in his game that kind of was like, man, that's really, really impressive stuff. You know, right. like that makes you go, that's worthy of – the sixth player in the draft. Always Mm -hmm. thought he was a good player that had some good things to his game. And I remember the day after he got drafted, the morning after we did a breakdown, or I did a breakdown on get up. And I said, man, the number one thing that he does well is he's accurate with the football. He's accurate with the football, good anticipation, accurate with the football. And he had his flaws. You know, I said, when, when panic sets in and pressure is on, that stuff goes away. And so, just rewatching his games from last year, I think I did two things in the evaluation process poorly. Um, mm-hmm. Undervalued how I don't want to how poor the talent around him was. You okay. know, at Duke. You know, it it, it, mm-hmm. it was. You look at it, you go, my. You know, I undervalued that, and then two probably did not appreciate the, I guess the natural talent that he has as a thrower, just the natural talent that, you know, of, of the fluidity of his arm motion, the accuracy of the ball, the different tempos that he places on the football, the placement of it probably underappreciated that. And that's what stood out last year was man, when he got into a man to man coverage situation where he knew the, 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 uh, the coverage before the ball was snapped and that defender is really close to the receiver since it's man-to-man, <clears throat> he was super accurate with the football. And that's a, that's a difference maker in the NFL, and I didn't place enough weight on that. So you saw a lot of success versus man coverage. Yeah. Less success, obviously, versus zone coverage for Daniel Jones. That was one of the things that when people whip out the numbers that say he needs to improve on. So why is there so much success against man and is a – for a rookie to not have tr- that same success against his zone, is that something you view it as concerning or is that just sort of learning and a pr- part of the progression part of, of being a quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, good question. There's, there's layers to the answer. So why the success versus man coverage? Um, the, 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 the easy answer is I know where I'm going with the football more often than not. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't have to necessarily think so much. I have predetermined. We hear people say all the time, quarterbacks should never predetermine where they're going to throw the football. I've always thought like, why? If I know what the coverage is and I know who I like in the matchup, why would I not predetermine that? That doesn't mean I, um, you know, predetermine when I'm going to throw the football, or but I, I'm predetermining, hey, I'm probably going to throw the ball there. You know, like if this guy does what I expect him to do, I'm probably going to throw the ball there. Um, and so one, you, you, you play faster Two, the number one thing a quarterback needs to have physically versus man coverage is ball placement. Because again, the defender is going to be closer more often than not to the receiver. 
And so that ball needs to be thrown in a very specific area, four inch by four inch box. Daniel Jones has that in his game as a strength. So that's really why you saw, and they got some good players around him, right? So that's really why you saw the, not only the tape, but the numbers be so good against man. Now, why the struggles versus zoning and is it concerning? Of course, it's concerning. It's not alarming. It's not like my, we, we got a major issue here. Now, the, the, the problems versus, or the, the struggles. Okay. One, you're welcome to the NFL. You know, like zone defenses are unique to every single team. The Redskins might play cover three this way. And the, the Eagles might play cover three this way, you know, where one defender does something different in their cover three scheme. Um, two, you know, when you, when you show one coverage and that the snap show another, another coverage, it changes the thought process of a quarterback. And so, okay, I'm at the snap. Here's cover two. And I know I'm going to work this side of the field. And this is my problem defender. And I've got to try to figure out a way to move him with my eyes. Ball gets snapped. My goodness, they just went to cover four. Now I'm going to work this side of the field. This is my, you know, like it, there's the, the processing for the quarterback. So right. yes, it has to speed up. But that's not I, that's not a concerning thing because you just have to experience all this stuff. I like mean, that stuff he probably didn't see in college to correct. that degree. And the variances sure. of it. And the variance. Like, again, just because one team runs cover three this way doesn't mean the other team is going to run cover three this way. So, oh, I, you know, Coach, I we, we just ran four verticals and they carried the number three receiver on his crossing scene with the Mike linebacker. Last week the Redskins carried it with the Will linebacker. So, you know, it's just different people doing different things, although it's the same zone. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's just part of the maturation process. I'm not concerned with that. Two, you know, uh, in man coverage, you have really one set of eyes on you. In zone coverage, you have six or seven sets of eyes on you. You know, you have six or seven sets of eyes on the quarterback watching what he's doing and going, okay, foot is in the ground, ball is starting to – be separated from right hand and left hand, and the the motion is starting. Drive on the football, you know. Drive on the defend. Drive on the receiver, and so you have more opportunities to get your hand on the ball, knock it away, get a pick, all that stuff. Get a pass breakup because all those different sets. Three windows in the NFL are smaller and they close faster, and For so sure. that is just part of this maturation and growing and developmental process. You know what? Uh, you know, last year I, I I sat on my back foot just a, a second too long, and that guy tipped the ball. I, I, I know in these windows that ball's got to come out faster. Maybe I take a little bit off that ball and throw it to a spot. Um, and so that's part of this learning process. And and the all those things are the ones that I would not be concerned nor alarmed about. The one that I I guess you want to call it concerned is. Zone, you need to have arm strength. You're throwing the right. ball into windows. You need to have anticipation and placement, but you need to have some arm strength. And that would be one of the things that I would say showed up a little bit was, you know, the lack of ability to drive the football into some windows. And um, I do I think his arm is going to be stronger this year? Yes. From everything I know about Daniel, he's got a ridiculously good work ethic, and that's going to start from weight room, ground up, and build himself um, a, a, up to the shoulder and the, the forearm and the wrist and all that stuff. So I, I would say that would be the one thing, arm strength, that I would go, that's got to get better. 
Right, and that's something you saw. That was part of the reason I think some people had some reservations before the draft. Now, I think when you watch him, you say, okay, his arm strength isn't bad, but it's just not – there's not that special elite, right? It's, it's not like it's, – it's those special throws might not be – be there with that, with what, with his arm strength. I think that's sort of what I was able to see, at least as a rookie for Dan from Daniel Jones. Right. And he's never going to be that guy, but nor does he need, I've, I've said this for two years now, give me the best quarterbacks over the last 10 or 15 years in the NFL. If you look at that list, maybe one of them, maybe two of them, you would say arm strength is like one of the two or three things that they do best. Mm -hmm. Freeze, Brady, Russell, uh, Peyton, like these guys, it's not arm strength for them. And so he's never going to be that guy. He -hmm. never has to be that guy. He has all those other traits that can allow him to become a really good player. Um, But at the end of the day, and and a little bit more nowadays because of the way the field is spread, arm strength does matter. And, again, when you're taking sixth, you, you, there needs to be special. There needs to be great. And, and for him to kind of enter into that conversation, the arm strength does need to get better. Right. So, and what those guys do have though, and it's, a, this is the, the sort of argument that I hear from a bunch of people, pocket presence, right? Yep. Right. And that, that, that goes right into the fumbles. He had 18 fumbles, 12, 11 lost big numbers, right? He obviously has to cut that down. Some of it from people I talk to, they think naturally your second year, just recognition, uh, more concentration on it, you can cut it down. Other people say, look, if there's one thing about quarterbacking that is innate, one of the things happens to be that pocket presence. You either have it or you don't. So where do you kind of stand on that argument of pocket presence is just you either have it or you don't, and it's just, it's just sort of a natural thing, and how much can he improve on that and the fumbles in general? Yeah, I, I pocket presence is something that is natural and innate. Absolutely. Um, I know guys that worked tirelessly at pocket presence. I was one of them who How? I worked, What do you do to work on pocket presence? I mean, drills, drills on drills, bag drills, people throwing things at you, guys backing up to you, you know, running past you. I mean, just maniacal drills that you can do to try to simulate Po- uh, the push of the pocket, color in the pocket, things at your feet, bodies around you. I'm, ta- I'm talking obsessing over it. Did I get a little bit better at it? Sure, a little bit, but it was always a weakness of my game. It was always something that I never that, that held me back. Um, and so, do I think he can improve on it? Yes. Um, and and I, I tried to kind of use this analogy. Um, and it's an extreme one, but I try to get, you know, it's something where I'm, I'm trying to get people to understand. Like if mm-hmm. you just took a major highway, not during rush hour, but during a busy time and you threw someone out there randomly and you said, Hey, avoid getting, you know, hit in traffic. It's going to be really scary to people and really crazy. And people are going to look like idiots trying to avoid all these cars or whatnot. Now, if you did it and they got 50 reps at it or a hundred reps at it, they're going to be a lot more comfortable, right? There's the, some guys might be great at it naturally, and some people may always struggle with it, but you can still get a little bit more comfortable at it. He will be more comfortable in the pocket, yes. Um, he will work at it, but do I think that he's ever going to be someone in the pocket like a Big Ben who's been amazing at it or Tom? 
I, that's hard for me to sit here and pound the table and say, absolutely. That is, that is who he will become. Right. That's not the natural progression that guys seem to make in this regard. Yeah. And it's, you'll get better. You'll get incrementally better, but there's also other things you can do to make sure that doesn't become your downfall. Mm -hmm. Um, understanding coverages, understanding hots, understanding protect all that stuff. But to become great, you got to be great at that. Of course, the fumbles, I've, I've always, I, I'm never going to be somebody that's going to, you know, say like, man, you, he'll get better at it. He'll hit the weight room. He'll get stronger. He'll hold on to the football more, build the forearms up, build the, that's why lifting weights does matter for quarterbacks. I was with Matthew Stafford when he was younger and he struggled with it and he made it an emphasis every single day, point of emphasis to work on it and get better at it. And he kind of rectified that issue. Right. So you see Daniel Jones, right? You see what he did his rookie year. And the way I view it and, I, and the way I explain it to people is I think what we found out is that he, he could play as an NFL quarterback, right? He's going to at least be an average quarterback. And we, 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 we see enough, we saw enough flashes where you say, okay, he could be a starting quarterback in this league, at least a quality starting quarterback. Now, mm-hmm. how much can he grow, right? How much can he get better to, and, and that'll kind of determine, okay, what this guy's ceiling is, which is, sort of a success because there are a lot of quarterbacks, even if they're drafted in the top five or 10 that have proven that they weren't starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So I feel like the giants at least have that. Do you agree with that assessment? And what do you see as the new ceiling for Daniel Jones? Has it changed since you made your original assessment? Yeah, I think that we're, we're looking at obviously the sample size is small in one year. You can't sit here and say that Daniel Jones isn't a starting quarterback. And some people, when I say something like that, they miss misunderstand what I'm saying is how could you sit here and objectively say, Nope, that guy's not a starting quarterback. Like what has he done right in his one year in the NFL amidst, you know, some coaching question marks, offensive line that wasn't great, best player hurt, like really some really good stuff performance wise, both on the field and off the field. I would say that the situation was just as hard off the field as on. And right. so, you know, I think that, Giants organizationally, teammates, and fan base-wise should certainly be going, man, we might have found something here. Absolutely. And I also think that, you know, part of my job as an analyst is to sometimes sit like sit back and be like, man, I, I could I could maybe I missed on Daniel Jones a little bit with my thought process. Um to sit here and say, you know, we have our bona fide franchise quarterback and this guy's gonna lead us to the Super Bowl. That's also not okay to say because there's still a lot of things that have to be proven. Performance against really good teams, uh, performance when it matters the most, mm-hmm. um, you know, fixing some of those things that held back the game. Um, uh, you, that That's where everything needs to get. Right. Or um, just seeing how he progresses, the natural progression. I mean, rookie correct. year, guys and, struggle as quarterbacks as a rookie a lot of times. Yeah, and I think that so many people, and I've probably fallen to this as well, so many people, if you're not the best player in the world at 21 years old at your position, you stink to a lot of people. Right. And we forget Which that, is like, not fair. Which is unfair. Yeah. There, there seems to be no midway point anymore. It's either you're awesome or you stink. Right. And we've got to allow for development and growth and maturation. Like I've I've said this, look at Tannehill this past year, big Ben Roethlisberger is going to go in the hall of fame. His third year in the NFL, he had 18 touchdowns and 23 picks. Okay. So like 
we've got to allow just for quarterbacks to grow and develop and mature. And I'm not saying we give them, you know, guys get five or six years to be, to be average to below average, but we can't just peg a guy, you know, after a year, we look at the things that he did well and encouraged by, and we look at the things that he struggled with and how do we make the struggles strengths and how do we make the, the things that were good you know, uh, how do we make those things to be foundational calling cards of the player? And so um, right. he will continue to develop. But uh, what does Jason Garrett do with him? You know, that yeah. – does, We does, don't know. There's still a lot of uncertainty here. Correct. Does Does Ingram, you know, go to the next level? Does Slayton take another jump? Do, does mm-hmm. Golden – you know, all those things. Does, does the offensive line play better? He played with um, zero snaps last well. year with all his top weapons. Like, it, right. you know, it would be nice to see him play with all those top weapons. That would right. definitely help him. Right. For sure. So let's play a little game here, right? We'll say you're starting a team right now. Okay? You have to pick which quarterbacks you, you kind of want to start your team with, okay? okay? We'll start with an easy one. We know we know you're a Carson. We'll start with the NFC East guy. So you know you're a, Car- you're a big Carson Wentz guy. You have a choice. Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, where are you going? Carson Wentz. Okay. You have Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones. You're starting a team right now. Where are you going? Oh, um, I'd probably say Dak. I think Dak's a good player. Um, mm-hmm. The fact know, that I, you even hesitated to me is a positive sign for Daniel Jones. I mean, Dak's yeah, a, quali- think, a quality quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think Dak's a good player. I'd probably say Dak. Okay. Uh I mean, obviously, we'll see how Daniel Jones does in his second year, but if he blows up in his second year, then maybe that'll change. Dwayne Haskins, obviously, against we, – we don't know that much about Dwayne Haskins, a little less than Daniel Jones. But Dwayne Haskins versus Daniel Jones, that was the question in the draft. You're faced with that now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that I had Dwayne and I had Daniel, right? And I, I thought Dwayne was a, a, a better player coming out last year. And mm-hmm. – by decent, I don't want. I just thought he was a better player, and I would say that as I sit here today, Daniel has certainly closed that gap and probably evened that playing field of which guy do I feel really good about taking. Um, and again, so much of their success is dependent on who and what is around them. Right. I, I think that I'm I'm encouraged by both of those guys. Daniel probably had more skill to work with around him. Both their offensive lines stunk. Both yeah. situations were very difficult. Uh, I, I'd say that they're both very, you know, on uneven playing fields right now, which, again, speaks to what Daniel did last year. And right. It, it, so they're, they're like a coin flip, basically, for you. Yeah, yeah. And if, if i got to pick one, you know, who do I – I think, you know, Daniel Jones did more last year. So right. I, but I, I don't go off just what you've done. Like, I – my my four year old daughter can sit here and say, "Well, Daniel Jones had all these touchdown passes last year." Like, look at the stat. I don't. You have to try and tell me what those guys would be, you know, inside of a vacuum and all yeah, those. Exactly. Well, that's the hard part because right. Dwayne Haskins was thrown to who knows, right? Terry McLaurin and a bunch of guys. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so a couple more, just real quick. This guy's I thought would be interesting: Daniel Jones versus Kirk Cousins. You're starting a team right now. Oh, Kirk they, you know, for the future, for long term, so you obviously the age factors in as well. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. I actually think Kirk Cousins is a pretty darn good player and gets a bad rap, so I would say Kirk Cousins. Daniel Jones versus Jimmy G. Ooh. Um, 
I'd probably say Garoppolo as well. Uh, I, I think Garoppolo and Cousins are very similar players. Yes, they've got great schemes and great play callers, all that stuff. But I think Jimmy G's a, a pretty good proven player as well. And the last one, only because he was in his draft class, Daniel Jones against Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Okay. You like, you like Kyler Murray? You liked what you saw his rookie year? Yeah, I loved Kyler coming out. You know, the day Kyler announced he was playing football, um, I was on TV and I said he will be the number one pick and he will be a star in the NFL. So, um, and I only kind of saw examples of that last year. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Well, there we go. That's where Daniel Jones stands after his first year in the eyes of Dan Orlovsky, our ESPN NFL analyst. Really, you're, you're like a quarterback specialist in, in a way. Uh, which, I is, which is not a bad guy. thing to do, you know? Yeah. Let's we'll see. You, I mean, better being a quarterback specialist than the, uh, an offensive line specialist. I mean, yeah, unfortunately. That's what people want to know, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now you're doing a great job and we appreciate it. And thank you so much for the time. Thanks, bud. On to the next one. All right, that was a really good interview, I think, with Dan Orlovsky. Learned a lot there. Um, some interesting comments, especially the idea that, and, and the more that you think about it from an objective point of view, take out the, you know recency bias completely, and you kind of understand where he's coming from is the fact that he's still on even ground with Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones, right? And that Daniel Jones proved more in his first year but we really still don't have that full evaluation of Dwayne Haskins and right because last year was a total disaster for him and he still liked what he saw pre-draft from him and think that's still possible because sort of the unknown with, with Dwayne Haskins is still there uh, probably more than Daniel Jones because we saw Daniel Jones start 13 games uh, and we saw pretty much what we think he can do now can he grow on it of course to what degree we don't know we're going to find out now he's going to be dealing with limitations because this is going to be a crazy season it really is we really don't nobody should knows nobody should know what to expect COVID-19 has been you know ravaged the world really shut down the world shut down our country now how are they going to be able to play football What's it going to look like? How much practice time are they going to get? Can Will they be able to get the whole teams on the field? These are all questions that remain. And this is my Jordan on the Beat segment right now where I give you an idea of what it's like to be a Giants reporter, an NFL reporter, an ESPN reporter, and from sort of like the media perspective, right? Now, there's a ton of uncertainty in that regard as well, right? If they are trying to limit the number of people at practices and uh inside the building and how they can do press conferences. They don't want to do, you can only do some number of people there. It really puts in jet in limbo. What is a beat writer's job going to look like this year? Are we, I had a, a friend who's a source who, who play, who works for an organization around the league. Who's an executive who said to me, I don't think you're going to be in the facility at all this year. Inside the Giants facility. Now, that doesn't mean we won't be able to go out practice. They might do, you know, some uh, interviews outside. But actually step foot into the Giants facility at any point this year, they don't think that's going to happen. And I, I, you know what? I think he's probably right. If there's press conferences, good chance they're by Zoom. 
good chance they're outdoors in some way, shape, or form. There's even been, are we going to be allowed to practice? Debatable. I don't know about that. I think there's a distinct possibility. We might not be at practice. Or even if we are, we're only there in snippets. You know, there's only X number of people allowed each day. This is something that's that you've heard, you know, bandied about as rumors. Now, just rumors that I don't think anybody has a clear uh, list of guidelines yet. I don't think anybody knows what's going to be feasible. Some of it's going to have to be done on the fly. But that that's entirely possible. I will, as a beat writer, we will. I will not be allowed out there to see every practice. I will not have. I, I think it's a guarantee lock that we won't have as much access. It's pretty much a guarantee lock. I'll probably never step in the locker room this year. And how about this? What's the media's role going to be at games? Are we going to be at games? Are we going to be in the locker room after games? Are we going to have to do post game interviews out? in the field, in the open air. Who knows, right? But it's going to be clearly a different environment, a different setup, and a different way to provide you, the audience, and the fans information. And more important than ever, sources are going to be of the utmost importance, right? If I'm not there, I need to be able to call up players, coaches, front office personnel and say, you know, what's going on here? What's going on there? I just heard this. I've seen this. And we're going to need their help as reporters more than ever, right? If you want to be informed of what's really going on, we're going to need that assistance more than ever because we're not going to be there to see a lot of this stuff. So there's going to be limitations. And then it comes to the fact, look, this is a crazy time we live in, you know, there's no camps by us where I live for the most part. They were pretty much all canceled. My daughter was supposed to go to a sleepaway camp. That's not happening. So the kids are home now all summer. So me and my wife are both working. We got to both juggle working and taking care of the kids. So these are all real factors that are going to factor into your Giants coverage this year. Now, of course, I'm going to try and do my best. And I'm going to try and bring you the same coverage I always did even better. I have some new ideas. But... I'm open to your ideas. I always like to hear different perspectives, especially outside perspectives sometimes. Sometimes you need fresh outside perspectives. I'm, I consider myself a progressive. If you don't advance, improve, and move forward, you're doing a disservice, in, in my case, to the audience and to yourself professionally. So throw me ideas. What do you? How do you think I should? What, what can I add to the Giants coverage this season, this summer? this training camp uh, that you'd like to see. And, you know, we'll think about the access and the feasibility and if it's possible. Because it's a whole brave new world we're entering. It's a brave new world. And we're going to have to be smart about it, progressive, and think of new ways to present information and obtain information and provide content and entertainment. That's where That's where we're at right now. So... Feel free to reach out to me anytime, Instagram, uh, email, Twitter. Sometimes I'll see it. Uh, you know, you know where to find me, Facebook. And remember, tell your friends about this podcast. Rate. It's available pretty much on all podcast pa- platforms. 
rate it, give us as many stars as you think it deserves, preferably five, of course. But, hey, honesty is the best policy. So I appreciate every one of you, everyone who listens, follows, and we'll do this again soon. Thank you, Dan Orlovsky. Our Daniel Jones review from his 2019 rookie season is now in the books. We'll close it, and it's time to move forward. And what we've heard so far were encouraging words from Joe Judge about Daniel Jones. Go read that article. I published an article about Joe Judge, what his first impression kind of has been of Daniel Jones and getting to work with Daniel Jones. It's on ESPN.com. I'm Jordan Ron. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.